in 2013. How many of you were here in 2013? Well, there's a few of us. How many of you were not here in 2013? Okay. I'm going to preach a sermon this morning that I preached back in 2013. And I think that it is an important, necessary message. And, and I have added some new stuff to this, this sermon. Um, some new material, shouldn't call it stuff. Uh, some new material to this, to this message. Uh, basically, in light of all the stuff that's happening, uh, and I, next week we'll finish this up because it's probably going to take two weeks to go through this. And then uh, Neil will be preaching, Gary will be preaching. Then when we get back, we'll pick back up with, uh, with First Timothy. But I, I just think that what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning, it's important for us uh, to kind of understand what's going on, at least from a biblical prophetic uh, aspect. And in light of all the serious and unsettling events that I think are transpiring, uh, I want to revisit this passage uh, of Scripture. Uh, we first covered it back in 2013, and it has to do with the battle of Gog and Magog and the number of nations that are involved in that battle. Uh, one of the main nations that are going, that's going to be involved in that battle is Afghanistan. And so in light of all the stuff that's going on there and the saber-rattling that's taking place there and the ripple effect that what's happening there is going to have across that entire region and across that entire region includes nations that are mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, probably going to look at Ezekiel 36 also because that has to do with the regathering of Israel to the land. And then the battle of Gog and Magog, the first battle of Gog and Magog, which I believe is going to be brought about due to Israel's regathering in the land, and something else that transpired. And that is the beast, uh, the confirming the contract or the covenant with Israel that's going to get these nations all riled up and going to cause those nations to come against Israel. And what I want us to understand, uh, the seriousness of the times in which we live, uh, how important it is that we bravely, steadfastly, in faithfulness, Share the gospel with our families and friends because, frankly, this present dispensation of grace, I believe, is on uh, about to come to an end. And the rapture of the church, I believe, is about to take place. As a matter of fact, and you go, oh no, here he goes again. It, it's just what's going on uh, around the world that causes me to focus on this. I already had another sermon. I was already working on another sermon. And events started taking place, and I started getting a message uh, talking about certain things that are taking place, and, and really believe the Holy Spirit led me, moved me in, in that direction. Uh, Salai, I was just thinking about you last week. Brothers, good to see you. We've missed you. We've missed you. So everybody tell... Salah, hello. 
I thought you'd gone back to Burma or something. We'd lost contact. So, brother, it's good to see you. But I, I was thinking about you and praying for you just two weeks ago. So, good to see you. So, in 2013, we talked about this Ezekiel 38 and 39 and all that's taking place. And as we get into this, I, I want you to understand that there are three battles spoken of concerning the last days. There is the battle of Gog and Magog that takes place at the very beginning of the tribulation. Now the good news is, church, body of Christ, we're not part of that. We are gone. We have been raptured up. The church, the body of Christ has been caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But there is, and there's a lot of confusion, but I think a, a thorough study of the Scriptures indicates that there is this first battle of Gog and Magog as described in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that takes place at the beginning of the tribulation, the day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble. Then at the end of the tribulation period, there is the battle of Armageddon. And that is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes again a second time to establish His kingdom on earth. The rapture of the church is different. We're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. At the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, Christ Jesus comes all the way back, establishes His kingdom in Jerusalem. Every eye is going to see Him. The, uh, the rapture is a mystery. We're gone and everybody goes, what happened? What happened? Where did they go? Where, are they, where did those pesky creatures uh, Christians go, or they might call us creatures too, I don't know. Where did those pesky Christians go? That's the rapture. That takes place. Then the first battle of Gog and Magog, at the end of the tribulation, they have the battle of Armageddon and Christ coming back the second time at that battle. And Christ does his work at the, and establishes establishes his millennial kingdom which goes for a thousand years at the end of that thousand years there's another battle called Gog and Magog two different battles involving the same nations coming against Israel a second time so I want to make sure that we're clear and we understand because this first battle of Gog and Magog I believe we are so so very close to it. Now, a couple of scriptures I want to bring to your attention as we get started. Look at Ezekiel 38. Ezekiel 38. I want you to keep these scriptures in mind. Verse 18. Ezekiel 38, 18. And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. Father, folks, the world is in store for a great shaking. The world is getting to the point that it needs a great shaking. 
And God is going to bring that. Verse 20, So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him. And overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Thus, verse 23. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. This battle of Armageddon is going to take place, and the nations that are involved, the entire world is going at that moment to know that God is at work, Things are happening, things are transpiring, and God is going to bring His will to pass. This is the beginning of the tribulation period. This is a great warning to the nations. But what's going to happen is the beast, the false prophet, Satan himself, are going to be deceiving the world and causing them to want to worship the beast. What's going to happen at this time? Look at Ezekiel 39. What's going to be the aftermath of this battle? And then we're going to get into the battle. Ezekiel 39, verse 12. And seven months shall the house of Israel be bearing of them. Who are them? It's these nations that are going to come against Israel in this battle of Gog and Magog. And the timing of that battle, of that coming, is ticking closer and closer and closer. And the aftermath of this battle, when Israel basically destroys these nations that are described here, Israel is going to wipe them out, that it's going to take them seven months to bury the dead. We're going to see God's Word says that those nations are going to come from the north and they are going to come as a horde and they are going to come to, against Israel. Now the reason these nations are coming against Israel is because Israel has entered into a covenant, a relationship with the beast, the Antichrist. And these nations that make up all the Islamic nations are going to see this and they are going to be uh, fit to be tied and they are going to come against Israel to stop this relationship with this beast, with this Antichrist that Israel has happily, joyful, joyfully entered into with this false Messiah. So it's going to be kind of a topsy-turvy time. Fortunately, the rapture has happened. Can we get an amen? We're not going to be part of that. But it's at that point where the beast is going to enter into that covenant relationship. He's going to confirm that covenant relationship. Israel and the whole world, except for these nations, are going to say, oh, peace and safety. 
We finally have an agreement. Israel is at rest. Uh, there's, there's finally this agreement with Israel. And who is this man that, that has caused this to come about? Who, who is the one who has orchestrated this, this whole agreement? Why, he is worthy of, dare they say, worship? He is somebody special. And so they're going to enter into this covenant relationship. Everything is going to look rosy for the first part of the, of the tribulation. Israel's in the process of, of restoration. So many of the promises that are made to Israel are going to be coming to pass. And the world is going to say peace and safety. But what do we know from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? That when people say peace and safety... Sudden destruction. Sudden destruction. Because this beast is going to do a turnaround against them. So anyway, that, we're going to get into, into that. There's so much happening on the world scene today. There's so much that happened this past week that causes me to realize that what took place in Afghanistan. Remember, in 2013, these, this Afghanistan uh, had not been thrown under the bus. Uh, what we're hearing today is a ripple effect of what's transpired with these nations that are going to be listed in and around Afghanistan, but not just in and around Afghanistan. We need to understand that out of China this week came the declaration that Taiwan, we're coming after you. That's serious, folks. China acknowledged, Taiwan, you're not safe. Russia and Iran has done what? They've indicated Israel they're licking their chops. Israel, we're coming after you. That's, on, that's coming across loud and clear. And the reason for that is because they understand the United States does not have the resolve, the courage, to stop them anymore. That, that, that's out the window. I'm not so sure the United States is not complicit, to tell you the truth in what's going on, but that's just my personal opinion of what's happening. But I can tell you this, the leadership in this nation, and I use that term loosely, is something to be desired. But as, we're, as we get closer and closer and closer to the end of this present dispensation, we are going to see more and more perilous times and things to cause us to shake our heads and go, what are they thinking? And that's why I say we pray for wisdom for one another and lift one another up in prayer. As we get closer and closer, let me remind you that all nations, including this beloved country, this nation that I love, that I call home, is going to be part of that, those nations that are going to come against Israel. Say, so Rick, prove that point. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14. You say, well, we do not see the United States in the end time scenario at all. No, you don't, except in one little term. 
One, one term that we have here. And the reason for that, do you know that there are no nations mentioned in the Scripture that, are, that do not have a connection of some sort with Israel? Uh, every nation that's mentioned in the Scripture is mentioned in association with the nation of Israel. God does not talk about any other nation except in its association with Israel. But Zechariah 14 tells us something very interesting. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. Verse 2. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. All nations would include which nation? This nation. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. That's pretty startling. That's Jerusalem's future. And people say, well, yeah, but that was, that was before they went into captivity. That had to do with their uh, Babylonian captivity. Guess what? Zechariah is written after the Babylonian captivity, right? This prophecy concerns the latter days. Concerns the latter days. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord being what time? The tribulation. But look at verse 3. See, I, I don't want us not to have hope. I don't want us to have fear. I don't want us to be discouraged. Hey, we've read the book. We know what comes. As we see all the stuff that's going on, as we, as we understand that we are maybe asked to do things that, that we are not happy with, we're not confident in, that we don't want to do, as things start ha- taking place where it looks as if these are perilous times, and those days, if they're not here, they're coming quickly. We face them with courage. We face them with the reality that God is on his throne, that the tomb is empty, that the church is victorious, and in heaven we're going to look back if we get a chance to look back and go, wow, we got to be part of that. We got to be those believers that took a stand. We got to witness that. But look at verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth, uh, of uh, Zechariah 14, verse 3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. How exciting is that? Yeah, those nations are going to come against Jerusalem. Those nations are going to be licking their chops to destroy the nation of Israel. And this is talking about the battle of Armageddon, by the way, not the battle of Gog and Magog. I just want you to know that God is going to be fighting for them. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight 
against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the mist thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. That's going to have an impact on creation when the Lord Jesus comes back. But you talk about the greatest impact. Look at verse 9. Ooh, this is the impact that Christ is going to have. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. <clears throat> and that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Verse 11. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. What a blessing, what a hope, what encouragement that is. <coughs> I had someone say to me not too long ago that they just love studying the last days. They say it's so interesting and it's so exciting. And it is exciting, and I guess it is interesting. Perhaps when it was thought to be far, far, far in the future. But I wonder how that person feels now that we're about to plunge headlong into perilous times. Kind of makes you think differently, doesn't it? As you kiss your babies good, good night, as you hug your wife or your husband, makes you think a little bit. But fortunately, we know how the end, how things end. We can take heart. We can be comforted. We can learn the song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Aren't you glad this morning this world is not your home? As you watch the news, as you see things that are going on, aren't you glad that this is not where we belong? That the victory, the ultimate victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what God calls us to do is to be bold in our witness as we share people, share with people God's plan of salvation, as we talk about His matchless, marvelous grace, and as we get closer and closer to the end, we need to realize that we're going to be thought crazy as we talk about the gospel as we talk and tell people that Christ died for their sins, was buried, and rose again, you're going to be thought, as you start sharing the gospel, and it used to be, it wasn't like that. You could witness to somebody, you could share your faith with somebody. They didn't think you were an imbecile. They didn't, they didn't think you were evil. It's getting to the point where you start telling people what you believe concerning what this teaches and sharing the gospel of Christ, people are going to think you're crazy. You need to prepare yourself 
to understand that what you believe, what you stand for, what you proclaim is going to be in direct opposition of what the world system accepts as good, decent, and true. We're moving closer and closer to those times. And what took place this week in Afghanistan, the things that transpired, not just there, but the whole attitude, the whole world's attitude about mandates and all the stuff that's going on, all the chaos, all of the, the divisiveness, all the anger, all the strife, everything that's taking place, the world is in chaos, and if it, it needs the Lord Jesus, it just does not realize that. And so what the world does is it rejects the Lord. So what should we expect? What should we expect is coming in light of all these world events? Oh, by the way, let me share some good news with you. Good news. I, it, it just thrilled my heart. It thrilled my heart. Uh, talking with Victoria and Diana, because I, I, was, I was concerned. I, I wanted to know, you know, that Victoria's been working with our children for, she and Rick, for quite some time. So has Diana Schnaff been working with our kids. And when we had to cancel vacation Bible school, because I was really looking forward to sitting down with each one of them and going through the plan of salvation. And Victoria came to me, and she said, Diana too, we sat down together, and Victoria said, Pastor, we've talked to every one of our kids. Every child in our program has made a profession of faith. Each one has told us that they know the Lord. And what prompted that is I was walking down here just the other day and little Vernon walked in, Rick and Victoria's little boy. Vernon walked in and he walked up to me and he, he said, I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. I have Jesus in my heart. And I, and I was glad of that. I, that excited me, but I thought, what, what prompted that? Well, his mama and Diana and others who've been witnessing and talking to these kids, and Victoria said, they've all done that. So mamas and daddies, talk to your kids about that. Encourage them in that. Because that is a great burden, or it should be, to this church. Our children. Our children's children. And with what all is going on. I'm looking what, what we can expect next on the, on the horizon, and I believe the immediate horizon. I believe we're on the brink of the rapture of the church, and I'm ready to go. The only thing that causes me to hesitate are those who will be going, not going with us. Our family members, our loved ones. I believe we're so close that... As I said, when I prepare my sermons, when I, this week as I was preparing this sermon, I could not help but think, is this the last sermon that I'll ever preach? That's how close I believe we are. Every week as I'm writing, I'm writing it out and I'm praying and I'm studying, I'm thinking, 
when the rapture takes place, will I ever have the opportunity to preach this? Because I believe we are that close. So what we expect to happen before this battle of Gog and Magog, and by the way, we're going to be getting into that much more next week because there's some, there, there some truths that we need to understand, but there's some preliminary things I want you to understand before we get there. So what do we expect? Christian, in light of all the world events, what we expect is for the rapture. The word that we use is imminent. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. It is a mystery exit that God has in store for those of us who are the church, the body of Christ. You watch these crazy news happenings and all the stuff that's going on, just understand that we are close. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. That all means those who by faith have trusted Christ as their Savior. And if you have not by faith trusted Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you not to wait another second. Not to, not to postpone that important issue. By faith, trust Christ as your Savior. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Folks, the second coming of Christ was not a mystery. It was prophesied. Every eye is going to see him. Israel is going to loathe themselves when he comes back the second time. But our exit is a mystery. We are called up to meet the Lord in the air. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? See, when are we going to be able to say that? At the rapture. Until the, if the rapture, if, if, if the rapture doesn't delay, there are some of us that are going to experience the sting of death. The grave is going to have the victory. Doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean that we're not going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. But it is the rapture that as we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's at the rapture when this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. It's when this mortal is going to put on immortality. And it is we're being caught up together together to meet the Lord in the air, that's when we're going to say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because they didn't get it. We are going to experience the rapture of the church. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, the victory over death. It's talking about the rapture. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. This is talking about 
the mystery catching away of the body of Christ, not the second coming of Christ, but our home calling, our home going. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he died and rose again for you? Then guess what? You're going to be those that are called up to meet the Lord in the air. If you don't believe that, let me encourage you to believe that. By faith to accept that. Because here's what happens. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and I do, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Can't get any better than that, can it? For we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's the rapture. At the rapture, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The second coming, He comes all the way back to earth. There's no catching up. He comes all the way back. This is for us. This is what happens before that great and terrible day of the Lord comes. This is what happens before Israel signs that covenant relation, that, that covenant agreement with the beast, the Antichrist, the false, the false Christ. This is what takes place before the tribulation, the day of Jacob's trouble. This is what happens before the battle of Gog and Magog with those nations that we're going to talk about next week. And we're going to list those nations. And we're going to see the events that transpire. That's those nations we're going to look at. This is what happens. We are called up to be with the Lord. We're not going to experience it. I cannot tell you how much joy and gladness it should cause us to know that we are saved, that heaven is our home. And until that calling on high, until the rapture of the church, we are still in the day of God's grace We are in the time when the offer is for all men to believe in Christ and be made part of that body of Christ that's going to be caught away because there's coming a time when the rapture takes place, God's prophetic clock in dealing with Israel and all the things that we're going to look at next week are going to start happening again. And it's the day of the Lord. See, right now it's the day of man. 
And man says, look, I've got this, I'm doing this, I'm going to do this. And they, their thoughts of God are pretty much non-existence. They, don't, uh, they, they have nothing to do with, with God. Man thinks he's in charge. Man thinks he's calling the shots, and he pretty well is right now. But there's coming a time when God's Word says, it's the day of the Lord. It's when he takes charge that the usurper is, he, he's done away with. And God's judgment, God's wrath is poured out. And the good news is, church, we've not been appointed to that time. Look at 1 Corinthians, you're already, you're already at 1 Thessalonians. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all the children of light and the children of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. God calls on us to be sober and to watch all that's going on. For they that sleep sleeps in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Verse 9, For God... For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The word salvation there is deliverance. Deliverance from this day of the Lord. Look at 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 18, uh, verse 10. 1 Thessalonians. This was the first book that Paul wrote, first epistle that he wrote. And the, the subject matter had to do with the coming of the Lord look at verse 10 and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come that wrath is the day of the Lord I've had people say no that wrath is talking about God's pending judgment that wrath is well it does but on that great judgment day when we all stand before the Lord and the books are open, you have to understand, on that day there is no wrath. At the great white throne judgment, where we're not going to be there anyway, but the great white throne judgment, there is no wrath. It's perfect justice. God's wrath has already been spilled out, poured out, with those seven trumpet judgments and those seven vile judgments on earth as he says, I'm God and you're not and God's going to pour his wrath out during that tribulation period. We've not been appointed to that time. We're going to experience that rapture. We're going to experience the catching away. God's God's wrath is paid, is, is poured out in full during that tribulation period. Look at uh, Isaiah 13. Talking about the day of the Lord. 
The day of the Lord is the tribulation period. The battle of Gog and Magog is going to take place during the first part of this tribulation period. It's all part of those nations that are going to come against Israel because they have signed a covenant agreement with the beast, the Antichrist, and the whole world is in an uproar. Verse 6 of Isaiah 13. Howl, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Hey, body of Christ, you're not there. Is that something to rejoice over? You bet. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travails. There shall be amazed one at another, and their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. Verse 11, And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Oh my, that doesn't sound like a loving, gracious God. At this time, this is a God of wrath. This is a God of judgment. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day that we share with the world how gracious, how loving, how merciful God is. But there is coming a time, and that's why we need to realize that this world is in such a fast pace to get to this time. One more, Zephaniah. Look at Zephaniah. Chapter 1. Every prophet, every Old Testament prophet talked about the day of the Lord and the horrors of the day of the Lord. When God says, enough is enough. And the wickedness of man, well, there's a payday. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and it hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fence cities and against the high towers. Verse 18 says, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in that day of the Lord's wrath. Look at chapter 2 of Zephaniah. Verse 2, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes the shaft, before the fierce anger of the Lord shall come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which hath wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. This Zephaniah prophet writing to Israel concerning the things that are going to take place during the tribulation period. And the first thing they're going to come across after the beast signs that covenant with Israel is the battle of Gog and Magog. Look at Ezekiel 38. 
Ezekiel 38. Folks, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog. We're going to talk about that next week. Where is the land of Magog? Which nations does that include? What causes these nations to get so stirred up that they're going to come against Israel and they are going to be wiped out by the millions? By the millions. That it's going to take Israel seven months to bury all the dead as these nations come against the land of Israel. Who are they? Are they being stirred up now? Should we be concerned? No. Should we be knowledgeable? Amen. We need to be knowledgeable. We need to be able to understand what's taking place so that we understand the necessity of sharing the good news with our babies, our grandbabies, with our friends, with those people that we care about. Also that we understand what we're facing as the world just gets crazier and crazier and their demands get more and more anti-God. Let's pray. Father, come before you now. And I'd much rather preach on issues that aren't as alarming, that aren't as concerning. Father, I have to preach what you've put on my heart. Father, what the Spirit just moves me to talk about. Father, I want to please you. I want to be true to your word. I want the people that I love and hold so dear to not only know you in a personal way, knowing that you're a Savior, but Father, I want them to know what they need to do in order to steal themselves, prepare themselves, and their family. Father, it's not to alarm anyone but make them aware. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how this is not going to come upon us unaware. Father, we are not children of the night. We are children of the day. Father, this time is not going to catch us unaware. May we faithfully be studying your word and preaching your word and aware of what's going on so that we can share with a world that so desperately needs to know that Jesus saves. And Father, as the world starts asking us to do things that are not in keeping with our relationship with you, things that we suspect, things that we question, as the pressure from the world just mounts and mounts, Father, give us wisdom. Give us insight. 
We thank you for the hope you've already given us. And may we stand firm upon that hope. Now, Father, I pray if there's anybody here that's never trusted you as Savior, oh, Father, they've been putting it off. May that come to a quick, quick end. As they realize the necessity of trusting Christ. Father, may we understand that the only thing that's going to be worse than the great and terrible tribulation is hell itself. And we can avoid both by what Vernon said he had already done. You live in his heart and by faith trust you. Father, may we have a childlike faith for we trust you. Not only for our salvation, but for our future, the future of our children, the future of our loved ones. We pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. The name of the one that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to. For your glory, Father. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.